live on a Monday. This is this is under review at its peakest right here. Birmingham's home for all things football. Under review starts now. Campaign. Who might be pouring a little bit of bourbon and whiskey and whatnot? Stephen, who is your team that is probably uh, popping some champagne this week? Well, for this week, my, my champagne is kind of an obvious one. It, it's got to be Kirby Smart. Uh, he finally gets that huge win kind of off his back over the hump a little bit like that. It, it kind of gives everybody, oh my gosh, Georgia might actually finally make a, a championship run here. Uh, you know, it, it's got to feel great if you're Kirby Smart. Just, just finally get that out of the way, you know? Uh, he's obviously won big games before. I know he beat Oklahoma in the playoffs. He, he got so close to a national championship that same year, but just getting that big win over Clemson just to start off the year has got to be huge for uh, the confidence of his team and himself and, and to take him firmly. Uh, his seat wasn't hot, but just to take him firmly off the, oh my gosh, is this another Mark Richt we got in Kirby? Uh, and then my, my, uh, my player or person or team that is sipping a little whiskey this morning, or, or just after this weekend, it, it's got to be uh, Ibrahim out of um, Minnesota. Had that uh, great performance against Ohio State. He did. He did uh, have a great performance I mean, against just, Ohio State. He That's went true. off. He, uh, he For parts of the game, he was Minnesota's entire offense. And then he's out for the season uh, with an injury coming off of that. Great performance. You know, kind of – it could have even been, you know, a Heisman-type performance, you know, kind of – or shooting up from a Heisman-type season. Uh, and then he is uh, sadly out. And that's for this a huge season. loss for Minnesota. Huge, I agree. huge loss. I, I mean, totally agree with that. Minnesota might have been reeling after that loss, anyways. But now they they lose a huge part of their offense. So uh, he and probably Minnesota in general are are drinking a little whiskey this week. Um, well, I, kind of I, I, I got to say, bouncing <laughs> off what you were talking about this weekend, I mean, the, the the teams that are definitely popping champagne, in my opinion, are the FCS schools this week. How about it, Montana tops? 20th ranked Washington. Now, you can debate whether or not Washington deserved that 20th ranking or not. Uh, ETSU drums Vanderbilt. UC Davis beats Tulsa. And there's some other FB, uh, FCS schools that gave FBS schools some fits. They pushed them around. And they also there's some games that ended in losses, of course. But I think the FCS schools are the ones that are popping champagne this week. That's going to be my best of the weekend is the FCS schools getting some dubs over some FBS schools this weekend. And the team that I think... Uh, going from the FCS who are kind of celebrating is to a conference that maybe is not celebrating so much, and that's the ACC. Uh, this was a weekend to forget for the ACC. There's no other way to cut it. I mean, seven ACC teams take an L this weekend. I mean, most noticeably at the top, of course, Clemson over uh, under uh, Georgia, Miami, and Louisville both were routed by SEC schools as well. Uh, FSU falling short of Notre Dame. And then, of course, Georgia Tech and Duke. How about this? Gets beat by Northern Illinois and the 49ers of Charlotte. I mean, just an ugly weekend for the ACC. Just overall, just bad. So they're they're definitely reaching for that uh, bottle of brandy or whatever. So Tyler, what, yeah. what who you got? Who's celebrating this week? Yeah, uh, we're gonna have Bijan Robinson hey. as our best of the weekend, scoring two touchdowns, 170 yards against 23 Louisiana to help Texas win uh, this past weekend. He is a workhorse for this team, guys. This man is a beast. And then just to bounce back, uh, bounce off of y'all, I would say the FCS teams. Uh, this weekend, Montana, like you said, Cole beat number 20 ranked That's Washington. Huge, right? Yeah, they beat them 13-7. The last FCS team to defeat, defeat a top 25 ranked team was North Dakota State in 2016. 
Wow. Who do y'all think they took down in 2016? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I remember I that I, game. I think I've seen that game. I, I remember that game. Number 13 ranked Iowa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that. Yep. You know, Tyler, I also yeah. saw a stat that Montana apparently has played. Um, this isn't their first time taking down somebody from the top 25, right? Montana's no, done they, this before, haven't no, they? No, they beat – well, I was talking, talking about specifically Washington. I think they've played Washington 18 times, uh, and they're obviously 1-17 against them uh, now. Or they were 1-17. <laughs> or they, they were 0-17. Oh, now they're 1-17. Well, one well and they 17. were 1-17, and 17, actually. And okay, their, so they got their, their other, second win ever Well, their other Washington. win was in 1920. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's been uh, It's, it's, been, it's a been a while since Long they have beat Hey, leave, leave a comment on Facebook or wherever you're watching us right now. Tell us what your best and worst of the weekend is. We'd love to get your comments as well if you're following us right now, as well as we'd like for you to like and follow us on all of our social media handles. Steven, what's, <laughs> he's under, our social media guy. Go apparently, ahead go apparently. The, under review go 24, the list. Under review 24-7 on Twitter, Facebook, or I guess on Facebook, just under review. On Instagram, under review 24-7. Go like and follow. We'll be posting stuff on there. We'll obviously be posting when we're live. And uh, as soon as we get the podcast out in audio form after today, we will post that on there and where to find that. You can also find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on, uh, under under review. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, so, hey, so we'll roll right in from our best and worst of the weekend, and we'll kind of recap what happened in week number one. Okay. And we'll start with the team right here in our backyard, the UAB Blazers. Let's they, go. they faced the Jacksonville State Gamecocks starting off with a dub. They rolled Jayville 31 to nothing. Tyler Johnson, 17 of 21 for 320 yards and two scores. Steven, now, I mean, I know that you can't really get that much from a game like this. I mean, obviously, UAB had a was the much talented team over right. Jacksonville State. But how? what can UAB take from this game? Because they're going against some pretty hefty, no pun intended, dogs this week in Georgia. What can you take and build off of a game like Jacksonville State? And what did we see from this team that we were impressed by? Okay, so a few things. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville State is the FCS team, but they're—I mean—they're a pretty good team. They have a, right, uh, a four-year starter at quarterback who is very dynamic. I mean, I think he's going to break all the Jacksonville State records in, in passing and rushing and everything like that. UB's defense was very—I mean, I'm sure a lot of people watched the Georgia Clemson game. Not Absolutely. many people probably watched the UAB uh, JSU game. UAB's defense looked a lot like George's defense in that game, where JSU could do nothing. There was nothing they can do. Uh, UAB's D-line just pushed Jacksonville State's line around. It was honestly a really slow start for UAB. They didn't do much in the first quarter, uh, really at all, and you expected them to kind of come out and, and beat JSU down, like, immediately. But they didn't, and then they – but as the, as the, you know, time went on, I don't know if it was just a more depth for UAB or if they just kind of finally got settled in there, but they really started to put it on them. I'm honestly really excited for this because under Clark, it's all, it's always been a really tough defense – uh, the, the defensive line has always been really good, great DBs and everything like that. But And their scoring uh, defense is always in like the top 10 in the country. But with this uh, showing, you finally got to see them air out the ball a little bit more than they typically do. Absolutely. Jo- Johnson yeah. answered Johnson, the call yeah. completely. I know uh, on our previous show last week, I kind of was guessing if it was going to be Brandon Lucero, Tyler Johnson, or um, Dylan, uh, the other quarterback that ended up coming at the end of the game. Uh, Johnson played really well. Uh, I kind of looked comfortable. It was, I thought that it just last year it looked like he was kind of – you know, in his source, but the offensive line was kind of iffy last year. I think they got a little more experience this year, so they were able to hold. I mean, again, it was Jacksonville State. Yeah. And I, I know they're one of the better FCS schools, especially in their division. I get all that. But UAB looked very polished. The defense looked great. Uh, and, I mean, Zarek Cooper and JSU, yeah. I mean, 
154 yards on the of offense. I mean, like that's. I mean, they that's a pretty be- good. That's a pretty good sign. Now, the only thing I will say, the low light for this game was the turnovers. Yeah, because UAB did have two turnovers. That if you do that against a team like, well, obviously Georgia, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just go ahead and throw that game out. Let's just talk about like teams like Marshall and whatnot. Right. You have those kind of turnovers, especially in those big of spots that UAB had. That's going to determine the game for you. You're not going to always beat a team 31 nothing. That's yeah. just that's just not going to happen. Yeah, UAB's always had trouble with or has had trouble in the last few years with turnovers. It's always been kind of a thing whether it's interceptions or fumbles. This game it happened to be fumbles. Uh they can't obviously like you said they can't do that against the better teams and they they got away with some stuff uh especially early. Uh they didn't um execute to uh use a brian kelly quote there execute, uh, well yeah, enough yeah. <laughs> that, now that, that that's a good quote right there i like that <laughs> they didn't execute well. that's still dark yeah. man. <laughs> wow <laughs> they didn't execute well enough but like i said it, at least they opened up and once they got the play action going i mean they looked unstoppable offensively right. which has never been a thing for uab to look really good offensively even under lesser teams they've always kind of struggled like even last year maybe it was two years ago playing alabama state in the first game they looked bad offensively especially so to have that kind of going and getting that play action pass going and getting your tight ends involved who were looking to have a really good year absolutely I mean, that was huge for UAB. it was a great warm-up game for uh georgia coming to town or going to georgia so it was a great kind of warm-up getting everybody situated in that uh, and yeah, I think we can talk about uh, UAB Georgia coming up in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the course. next game I kind of want to touch on uh, a little bit is uh, Penn State Wisconsin. It was another big game uh, on uh, Saturday. Uh, you had Penn State coming going to Camp Randall with fans back in the stadium for the first time. You play jump around in that stadium and it goes crazy Just as nuts. always. It's a really hard place to win. But Penn State really. They found a way to win. It was not a pretty game. It was a very Big Ten esque game where it's a lot of. Uh, running the ball at the middle and a lot of uh, just head on hat on hat football kind of thing, uh, but Penn State kind of found a way to win. What did you see from that game that that you look forward to? Maybe maybe in the overall uh, scheme of the Big Ten and just from Penn right. State and Wisconsin in general. Well, first of all, uh, just I, I was ecstatic just to see Camp Randall packed out and just see the fans doing the jump around again because man, that was just weird seeing Camp Randall last year during. <laughs> During quarantine, where there was no fans in that stadium, and right. it was just—it was just seemed like something was missing. So kudos to that. I mean, that—that that was great to see. But this was a classic slugfest. I mean, I, I think we all could see that, that that Wisconsin had that defense. I mean, they—I did not know this until they showed this on the FS1 broadcast. Mm-hmm. But Wisconsin is one of only like I think two or three teams, other than Alabama, Ohio State, and I think Clemson one other year that has led defense in multiple different categories over the last ten years. Wisconsin's defense is legit. Yeah. So the fact that Sean. Clifford and this offense for Penn State went into Camp Randall and even did what they did. I was impressed by. I, now look, Wisconsin's offense. Yes, there's a lot of holes that are still in that passing game. Wisconsin's never been really known for the passing game, except when, when Russell Wilson was there, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, there have always been a ground and pound team. But man, can we just take an appreciation for a second? Excuse me, a second to appreciate the just gap discipline and the great tackling that was on display during the Penn State Wisconsin game. I mean like their their defense is just played great. I mean and I and I know that some people look at that and they're like, "Oh man, that was a boring game." I love to watch well, it. It was it was great. It was, it was just kind of refreshing because we've been living in such an age of football where it's offense, offense, offense. And it's and it, I think we're starting to see a resurgence of 
great defensive play. So, and it started Saturday with Penn State and Wisconsin. Yeah, so definitely like uh, the first few games looked very defensive. I think it, I think part of that came in uh, part with the Iowa just killing Indiana, not letting them score. You had the Georgia-Clemson game, which is obviously the huge game that everybody want to talk about, and it was just a defensive slugfest. And then you had the Penn State-Wisconsin game. That was another ranked game to start off your Saturday slate. So you got a lot of prime time defensive slugfest going there. But honestly, I thought this game was exciting just because they got in the red zone. There were like so many chances Absolutely. to score. There That's were so always many, a big thing. There were so many opportunities. <laughs> so it wasn't like they weren't moving the ball and it was just stagnant all around. It was more of defense made the plays when they needed to yes. kind of game. Yes. Uh, and that made it really exciting. And Penn State looked pitiful in the in the first half. And Wisconsin yeah. uh, really just kind of they, – they finally put it together, obviously, in the second half and, and came to back to win. But it was – I thought that was a Wisconsin game to lose. Um, I think they had their opportunities. Obviously, late they, uh, I think Grant Mertz threw a, a interception on like fourth and goal. Yes, he did at the end of the yes, game. So Wisconsin had their chances and they just kind of let Penn State, you know, stay in the game long enough to eventually win the game. Uh, the other game. So we've got lots of games. So I'm going to try and move a little faster. Oh yeah, absolutely. Got lots of games from Saturday. Absolutely. Huge Saturday slate for the first week. There, of college it was. Football. It was huge. It was, there was so a lot the next of good games. Game, on uh, I was actually at this game. It was Alabama-Miami uh, that we want to talk about. So, obviously, going into this game, and, the, and they do this every year with Bama a little bit. You know, they kind of hype it up, make Miami look like they're going to be really good. And a lot of people expect Miami to be a lot better team than they were last year and maybe the Certainly. year before that. Uh, you have Derek King coming back from a, a bad knee injury, but at least he's got another year of the offense. He's at least learning a little bit. Um, or so that's what we were told uh, before they went into <laughs> – Yeah, yeah, before, before, before Saturday for sure. Before uh, 2.30 on uh, Saturday – I mean, Bama just dismantled them. It was one of those games where Bama looks like they're unbeatable again. It was one of those that's got to be so disheartening if you're any other team in the SEC or any other team with with national championship hopes. It's 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 got to be so annoying. Absolutely. To, to, to just see Alabama year after year after year do this. That has been a a, a debate of of interest of lately is is how entertaining. I mean, I've seen people talk about this in my small circles. I've seen people, I've seen broadcasts talk about this and talk about the dominance. And most people, you know, appreciate what Saban and what Alabama has done. But it is a bad, it, it is bad television product because it is. I mean, every time Alabama gets up against a team like this, it's pretty predictable. They're going to yeah. win by yeah. 30. Yeah. So, I, look, it is what it is. They'll 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 face a team in the next few weeks. I'm sure that that will test them. But Miami just wasn't the team. Does that mean Miami's not? Because because this is what I love when people do. Everybody hyped up Miami like they were going to be the team that was going to beat Alabama. That they could take them down this game or whatever. Or maybe not even hyped them up. Maybe just said it was they keep it close. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as Alabama destroys, what do they do on Monday? They say, oh well, Miami wasn't any good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they're just they're just a horrible team. You know, that that's that's what we do. So I don't want to knee jerk on Miami. Let's wait and let the season play out and see how good Miami really is. Obviously, they're not on the same level as the top four playoff teams or top six or however many teams that we think could compete for a playoff. But there's still an FBS school who has talent, and De'Aaron King is no slouch to hold him and keep him contained. Like now, that, now they do lose Christopher Allen for the yeah. season. It looks yeah. like the foot fracture is going to hold him back, so that's a big loss for Alabama coming out of that game. Even I mean, this game was 27 to nothing at one point in the first half. I mean, just. Just not even close I at mean, all. I mean, that, got away from it real quickly from I, Miami. I think that defense was as advertised. Everybody expected it to be top, top three in the country, and it, it looked every bit of top three Will in the Anderson country. Will Anderson is just 
You can't block him with As one guy. The amount of pressure he got on the quarterback all game. Jeez, I mean, the, the D line was astounding. The, it, it starts at the line of scrimmage for the really elite teams, and they were just pushing Miami around both sides yes. of the ball. Obviously, you have Bryce Young, who's who's setting Alabama records for a starting quarterback, and then you uh, he has that escapability that's just so frustrating. It's got to again. That's one of those things where it's got to be frustrating. Where Alabama made all their kicks, which is one of Alabama's always hey, kind of like that. you can rely on the kicker <laughs> to miss some kicks, and then you have a, a quarterback who you've you've had athletic quarterbacks on the pass with Jalen Hurts and Tua and stuff like that, but you have a, a quarterback who's athletic, who is looking to throw He can move the first. pocket and maneuver it a little bit and create That's plays That's got to be another thing play where it's, just, down. Exactly. it's so frustrating for yeah. a, a, a defensive coach to watch because you're like, man, that like last year, we Mac finally Jones, haven't stopped. <laughs> last year, Mac Jones, you know, at least he's not a mobile quarterback. You know, we can contain him in the pocket and then he's just destroying you from the pocket. And this year, like maybe Bryce Young is not as accurate, but this year he's right. just escaping everything. It's got to be so frustrating to watch, and they just—it's like know, that I, meme where that guy goes, "He can't keep getting away with this." Exactly, <laughs> and that's that—that's exactly. what Alabama it's, is. They it's just new can't. year, new year, almost all new assistants for Saban, and it's the same Alabama. So we'll see next week when they uh, play another no name. I think Mercer. Yeah, uh, I said another no name, like Miami was a no name, but you know, no, no, after no, that not, not a no name for sure. But, after but, that performance, you know, you start to question it. So the other team uh, in the state of Alabama, um, we'll, we'll touch on this briefly uh, because they I mean, played, yeah, there's there's not really much they to played, talk about. They played I mean, Akron, but Auburn, right? Uh, I do want to touch on it just because their offense put up sixty points. I mean, yeah. anytime your offense, no matter what the opponent is, no matter I mean, if it going can be his air. I mean, it can be a, yeah. say, it can be an FCS opponent. It's putting up sixty is, is big big time. Uh, especially for an Auburn offense that has struggled in the last few years. Bo Nix sets the record for uh, completion percentage for an Auburn quarterback. So that's huge when you have a quarterback. Who Wasn't he 19 of 19 at one point before his first incompletion? Uh, he might have. Have. So, Cole, did you watch this game at all? I saw a little bit of it. I, I mean, I mean, obviously, you watch the first few drives, I mean, and you've seen the whole game because after that, Auburn starts shuffling in different guys. Yeah. After they get to a certain point, they'll take out and put their second-string guys in and different guys to get Definitely. in. But I did see where they had six sacks against the Zips yes. on so, so Auburn's defense, Auburn's defense is, is what it always is. It, it, looks, it looks really good. Uh, the thing is, I, I do want to say that Auburn's offense, obviously, putting up 60 is huge. Like, you want to put up 60 no matter what, all the time. That's great. That's good stuff. The only problem I had with Bo Nix having that completion percentage some of those touchdowns. They were wide open. Oh, uh, oh I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They I were, mean, they were there's 20. nobody around now, them. Now, part of that, I don't know if yeah. that's I don't know if that's Akron just being very bad at coverage or if the receivers for Auburn <laughs> are finally gonna step up. And I think do it's a something. combination of the two. I'd I mean, say it's probably a combination <laughs> just like Miami's probably not as good as everybody hides them up to be, and right. Bama's still really good. Kind of that kind of same thing. Akron's not that good, and Auburn's probably receivers are actually putting in work a little bit. Uh so I don't want to get overexcited for Auburn fans. Obviously, it's Akron. I don't think anybody's getting excited. Oh, my gosh, right. you be Akron, you know. Uh, but it's something to look. You're, you're at least happy. You're happy with how the offensive line performed, who's been just, I think so. uh, abysmal. You're happy with Bo Nix actually completing even the wide-open stuff. Like, just get him those easy passes to get that confidence built up because you've got one more kind of warm-up game, and then you go into a very, very dangerous territory. Probably, I think some might consider harder than going into Camp Randall, Randall to jump around. You've got a wideout at Penn State, yeah, in a no, nighttime and, prime and time that's going to be their, first, their their next true test because obviously this week is not going to be in their test. They're, they're playing Alabama State, but 
for for Coach Brian Harson, they came out, they took care of business, and this is what you wanted to see if you're already that you put a team away early because a criticism for Gus Malzahn is a lot of times they, they played down to competition at Auburn. They they didn't put away teams early, and they went in. They had a business mindset. They did what they had to do. Bo looked very comfortable in the pocket. Yep. I thought that Shedrick Jackson had some very good routes mm-hmm. to, and provides a nice deep threat to give Tank Bigsby room to run between the tackles. Definitely. So that's going to be huge for Auburn moving forward. So I think just putting some plays on tape and kind of fine-tuning your offense as you get prepared to go to Happy Valley is what's big for Auburn right now. And, 100%. And, and just making sure that you take care of business these next two weeks and get nobody hurt. Right, as, and thing. as we talk more and more about this uh, you know, first week, obviously huge games, and that's great for us as fans. But obviously as a team, most of the time you, you don't necessarily want to play a team where you're like... Like the Penn State Wisconsin game, it's hard you to hype your team up. Well, it's not it's, even hard to hype your team yeah. up. I think you want a game like where you play a Mercer or where you play oh, a, right, right, an Alabama yeah. State or where That's you play true. what or an Akron, whatever yeah. else. You want to be able to play those just so you can get your playbook in. You can get your guys comfortable. You can get your, your freshmen, 100%. your people who have never played, your transfers, whatever else, comfortable with everything before you go into those environments where it's just. It's hard. Unless you're Washington, who thought that you were going to do that with Montana, exactly. and then Montana ends up beating you. <laughs> well, so. that's why you know you want to schedule those because at least you know now. You know you play a yeah, team, right? You play a team like Oregon, you might get blown out. You know, at least yeah. you play a Montana, and you know it's still a bad loss, but it, you know you know where you're at now. At <laughs> it's least. still a bad loss, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, another game I want to talk about is obviously the the biggest game from Saturday, and uh, I think everybody's opinion: Clemson and Georgia. Yeah. So you watch this game. Everybody's hyping it up all day long. I mean, it's a top five battle in the first week of college football. Has huge has playoff implications. Has SEC versus ACC. Uh, you know, what is Clemson going to look like with a new quarterback after the Trevor Lawrence era? What is Georgia going to look like in another year with JT Daniels after they actually showed some offensive capability last year? Georgia's got maybe the best defensive line. Can Clemson shore up their offensive line? The short answer is no. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, Georgia's defensive line pushed them around. It was a defensive, absolute defensive slugfest. This was reminiscent of an LSU-Alabama game back in, the, like, the 2000, game. 2011. You know, it was it was one of those where, I mean, uh, Clemson didn't get past the 50-yard line for, right. like, most of the game. Yeah, the, it, it, was, it was it was bad. It was, and, and now, look, this was the question I had written down in my notes. I said, was this more about Georgia's defense or Clemson's offense? Tyler, I'd be interested to see what you have to say about that. I mean, I mean, you look at... Uh, DJ, I'm gonna call him DJU because I, I don't know <laughs> if I can pronounce his name correctly. Ukulele, uh, right? He was sacked seven times, and Oof. he was, and the leading rusher for Clemson was one of their running backs. They had ten yards, yeah, yeah. ten yards of rushing. Well, I they, mean, had that's two, just, they had two net yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's net. that's insane. So, so Tyler, I mean, was this more about? the ineptness of Clemson's offense or more so about Georgia's defense? I think DJ Ugalele, I, I think he's just not as hyped up as you know people make it out to be. And I think it is a combination of the offense line of Clemson not being that good and the combination of Georgia having a great defensive line. I th- yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, what, what would you lean more towards? Georgia's defensive line being great or Clemson's so, offensive line so being I think that Georgia's, bad? So I think that Georgia's defensive line is, by the I, end yeah, of the year, I, say, I, I, I think, think by the end of the year they're probably going to be looked at as the best offensive, I mean, defensive line this year. But and Clemson's also think, offensive line is going to get better. They're going to get better. They got plenty of weeks. And, and let me just say this. The schedule plays out for Clemson because while this loss is going to be hard for them because now – that was Clemson's big game. I mean, where are you going to make up your ground as far as resume games? Clemson really has no room for error the rest of the season until they get to the college football playoff. It's, there is nobody left on Clemson's schedule. So the problem, too, with Cle- for Clemson anyways is that even if they win out, 
they might still get beat out by a two-loss team because everybody else that they could kind of rely on a little bit if they don't meet them in the regular season to meet them in the championship game lost. Because they I don't mean, play North Carolina in the regular season, uh-uh. correct? They, so, they, North Carolina, and North Carolina lost, and they don't play Virginia Tech in the regular season. And they season. don't play Virginia Tech. You, and know, you, you know, one game that you could argue that probably the team that looked best in the ACC that lost this weekend was Florida State. Yes, they did. For sure, for they sure. Did. And well, we can hey, great transition. As I said, we can go ahead and wow. hop into that game because it <laughs> what a transition. It was a great game for a Sunday night kind of standalone game. Uh, you know, you normally have NFL, but no NFL this week, so you get a great college football game. Uh, not many people know what FSU was going to look like. I, I don't think the oddsmakers thought FSU was going to be as bad because I think it was only a seven and a half point hey, spread. Uh, doghouse team, by uh, the way. There you go. There you go, Cole. <laughs> so. FSU looks much better. It looks like they can contend for second place in the ACC, honestly, at this point, because North Carolina lost. Virginia Tech didn't. I mean, they looked good against North Carolina, but how bad is North Carolina this year? Miami looked pitiful against Alabama. Yeah. FSU was the only team that put on a like really good performance. I, I think my main takeaway from this game, I got two main takeaways. Jack Cohn looks like just he steps right in for Ian Book. It looks like you're not missing a beat with him. He, he played he looks great. Good. Uh, he actually set the record for most yards in a season opener in Notre Dame history. Uh, the previous record was held in uh, by Tommy Reese in 2013. If you Tommy know who that is. Reese. How about Tommy uh, Reese? I, I think if you're Florida State going forward, you have to start McKenzie Milton, right? I mean, yeah. you throw the three interceptions with um, uh, Travis, and you, you put Milton in, and it's a great story for one. Everybody got hyped up. He leads them on that drive to, at the end of the game. You got to start him. You got to start him for the rest of the season. If nothing else, just Come on, for the McKenzie story. Milton. Yes, you have to start him. He just the offense hummed better. It yeah, hummed better. It, it, it looked a lot and, better. And I will say that Notre Dame, Notre Dame's defense. Was it not just like movie script? I mean, this guy literally comes off because his, he gets his helmet knocked off, and McKenzie Milton comes in and leads the drives that ties the game. I mean, like you can't make this stuff. Yeah, up. I, I mean, it's it was it was awesome. It's to Alex watch. Smith in the NFL where so he's not going to walk again, you know, and then wow. he goes plays. I, I will say that Notre Dame's defense run defense looks really bad and their rush attack is not good either it was all jack home throwing the ball which i mean for yeah, at least Notre Dame, if nothing else you have people to throw it to you have good tight ends everything else but man their their run game on both sides of the ball needs a lot of work but of course they lose the game because of a kicker i yes. mean is there anything more demoralizing than lo- and of course Alabama fans and and Auburn fans? I mean, sure, everybody. I'm sure all fans, but especially Alabama fans know losing because of a kicker is just a such a low blow. It's a it hard. Is, break. It is such a hard pill to swallow when when a guy who I mean, even though they're a part of the full team, I get that, but they don't block, they don't catch, they don't. I mean, they don't do anything really. All they do is just kick. So when you lose because of a kicker. It's just the worst. But can can FSU have the moral victory trophy of the week? Is are they capable of having? I, that? I mean, I think I mean, so. You had you had the tribute to Bobby Bowden kind of kind of this weekend in college football because he he passed away. Uh, I believe it was earlier uh, yeah. last month. Uh, so you kind of have that yep. tribute, and then FSU kind of puts on a a really really good performance on Sunday. Obviously, you want the win, but I think if you're going to lose a game. And you're as, as Florida but State, but a good game for Mike Norvell in his first game. Uh, this I is think, a great, this is a great, great way to lose it. I guess. I mean, it sucks. A great way to lose. As that's I say, a that's a, that's a. But you know, if, if you could it. hope for a loss or you a were hope competitive, for, yes, you, you did not get blown out because right there when it turned to an 18 point advantage, Mike Norvell's squad could have easily have just laid down and just took the beating. But yeah, they uh, did. They came. So let's back talk and, about a team that did take a beating. Um, yeah. Another ACC school. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go off a little bit. Not another ACC school, but a, a, an SEC school took a beating uh, this weekend, and that's that's gonna be LSU. 
Oh, okay. Uh, playing, so ch- changing playing, up a little bit. I'm, okay. I'm going off off the rail here a little bit. Okay. Because uh, I just wanted to talk about that was bad coaching. It was just bad coaching. I mean, UCLA looks great. Uh, they look like they're on a surge with Chip Kelly coming up here. But, I mean, it was it was poor tackling. It was it was LSU changing up offensive plays in yeah. the last second of the line of scrimmage with a new quarterback. is just not – it's not okay. If you have a new quarterback, you should, you should already have to play. You should have the play as soon as in the next situation comes up. Give him that play. Let him get lined up. Let everybody figure it out with this uh, a new offense coordinator, a new uh, a new quarterback. I, I, the defense wasn't lined up half the time. It's just it, it was just a poor coach game by LSU, which is what you if you're a coach. Oh, you cannot have a poor coach game. You can have things go wrong, but if you're I mean, we're, we're looking at a, a Gene Chizik-esque performance going on here. We're looking at you win the national title. I was title, about to say. You go undefeated. Is, you yeah. have one season where you kind of have a down year. It's a COVID year. Everybody's kind of, you don't know what's going on. That's okay. Coming you off kinda, the national championship you, season. You get, a yeah. miss, you get a miss year there. But then you come off the second season and you come off, and that was the one thing you can't do is lose to a, a Pac-12 team that's kind of surging at the right moment. You, you cannot lose that game. And and Coach O coming back out and then blaming his assistants for not having the team prepared is just even now worse. I will, look. I will raise you this one, Stephen. Now LSU, not that I want to use this as an, as an excuse, but LSU did have to kind of change their scheduling as far as their preparation for this game because of the hurricanes. They weren't able to practice on a normal schedule. They had to practice, of course, in Houston, and then of course move to uh, out to LA for eventually for the end of the week for the game. So they did have a little bit of their thing, but I don't think that would have affected the game as much as it did because I mean UCLA was up by a large margin before LSU got that light, that late score to make it that 10-point game. But this was this was one of those games where I, I really felt like LSU went in there thinking that the Pac-12 was the softer conference team, that they weren't going to have as much of a ground-pound type of play. But Chip Kelly and this team has had a very sharp mindset coming in this, this season that they are going to win the line of scrimmage. And yeah. that's what UCLA yeah. did all night long. It's LSU. They won the line of scrimmage. And LSU, let's face it, the last two years, they haven't done that. No. Uh, they have they have not looked like a complete team. The defense hasn't looked good for years. The offense, I mean, the year they won the national championship with Joe Burrow, of course the offense was electric. But let's not act like that was a dominant defense. No. This defense has not been good for a while, and they have not improved, I would say, almost not at all from right. last year. They, it still looks like that same Bad defense from last year, and we I think, and we saw in 2019, Cole, that how great like Claude Edwards Hilaire opened up that offense in the rushing attack, absolutely opened it up for Burrow, right, and everything. And kept the last, the, it in, kept the defense off the field too. Exactly, in six of the last eleven games, LSU's rushed for under 100 yards. And you just can't do that to win games. They're not winning last scrimmage on either side of the ball. Teams are running it down their throats, and LSU is not able to control last scrimmage. So you're putting your defense on the field more. That's already not that great. And it's not like LSU's not getting those dudes. No. So what, I was about to what say, is I think, the issue? Well, what I, is the issue? I was about to say, I think the most concerning thing is that you have the athletes to be an elite yes. team. You're getting they the have recruits. The dudes. You're, you're, you have Derek Stingley, who's arguably the best defensive player in the country yes. on your defense. Absolutely. You should at least be able to do something. I've Obviously, you caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow and that 2019 team, right? Real quick before we move on, is UCLA? Are we are we getting on the train? Do we think that Chip Kelly and UCLA is going to be the best team in the Pac-12 at the end of the season? You have UCLA, Oregon, and Utah. Those are the three teams that I would say would probably be vying for that spot. And I'm almost prepared. 
to jump on the Bruins bandwagon. I want, right. And give we'll, me another I'm week. almost there. Yeah. Give me give would, me another week. I would One also more give week? me another week because we don't know much about Oregon. They did yep. not look good we last find out, week, guys. So, so maybe after we find out something about Oregon That's, Saturday against Ohio State, I want to figure out what get, okay. happens in the Oregon-Ohio okay. yeah. State game so before I'm ready. So we're not jumping just now, yet. Okay. I was going to say, we can get into that in a second. I do want to touch on just like two more games here real quick before we move on to our week two games coming up because I do want to preview all those games and because we do have – Believe it or not, we do have there is some, some still, there is some good ones. There, there is, is some, still still some there's good games. We do we do come off that week one that is just insane. I don't know if we'll top that for the rest of the year, but we do have some good games coming up. But before we move on, I, w- I do want to talk about um, just Ole Miss on the lane train coming oh, here. Oh man, Joey Freshwater. They beat Louisville. They played good without without uh, Lane Kiffin. What what do we th- what do we think of Ole Miss? Are they, are they going to live up to the hype this year? Because a lot of people have them as as the third best team in the West. Yeah. A lot of the uh, and the SEC West that and is. And they probably are, especially after watching the way LSU played. Ole Miss might be that. Uh, look, I don't know if this is telling of how good Ole Miss is or how bad Louisville is. Again, that's just like with Alabama and Miami. We, we'll have to let the season play out. All we know is that Ole Miss can move the football, and they're not just doing it through the passing game. They're doing the right... Cause, fun fact for you guys. Do you know who led the SEC in rushing last year? Who's that? It was Ole Miss. <laughs> Common to popular to popular believe. Everybody thinks that Alabama, Auburn, or somebody like... Or Georgia's going... It was Ole Miss who led the SEC in rushing last year. And they're picking up right where they left off. But the biggest storyline from this game was not actually the gameplay. And I hate when this is the subject. But targeting and the officials <laughs> crept into. I saw it on Steve Head on the time on, on the storyline, and I he's did. right. Four <laughs> ejections for targeting in the they first were, half they were of like, this game. They were so close to. I don't know if you saw them. They were almost oh like my almost. Gosh. They were almost like back to back to back like drives and plays and stuff like that. I mean they. It was a couple of them were just like you know kind of those bang yeah. bang plays where right. it's just like oh my gosh so like two of them were like that and the other two were one just... was like for sure I, I believe targeting but the other ones were borderline I mean like they, borderline shouldn't even have been a penalty call was... Tyler are we getting closer to knowing what the definitive definition for targeting or are we getting further away from the call we're getting I, further away I that's think. what I think I mean, too honestly. I mean. I, I, I think that, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Stephen, but I think there should be kind of like a flagrant system like there is in basketball where there should be like a targeting one and targeting two call or a flagrant one, flagrant two call because this throwing guys out of a, a whole game or for a second half and first half is just too, it's just too much for these borderline calls. I just do and, not agree that we should just all of a sudden just go look at a booth and say because this guy did X or because this guy did this, there's right. too much gray area with this call. Whereas with a holding call or a pass interference, I can look at the play most of the time and I can say, <laughs> yeah, that's that's interference. I mean, the guy grabbed his arm or this did this. There's too much. Well, he was it's his intent. His intent was to lead with his helmet, or his intent was to hit him while he was a defenseless receiver. There's too much gray area to this, and I think they definitely need to look over the offseason and look into this a little I'm, more. So I, I, I think that's a good idea to have that targeting one, targeting two, kind of like you have flagrant fouls almost. That's I, I think, think that's so. a good idea, but you know, I, and you, you kind of mentioned at the end there, I think this is one of those penalties where just intent matters so much. And you don't know a player's intent, really. You can kind of guess from the play. But when it matters this much to to somebody staying in the game or not, that's and it, obviously it's impossible to tell intent unless you're the person. So I think that's probably the best way to go with it. I don't think they will. I think they're going to stick with it and just stick with the replay system <laughs> yeah, they have yeah, in place. that's what it's going to be. <laughs> I think it will just because they, you know, I think when they have the replays, more often than not, when they replay it and everything like that, which I and think I mean, they do every time. How many time. times have we honestly seen them go to the booth and review it and then 
I overturn see it. it. I mean, it, it does. Yeah. It very does few, very few it's, times. It's few, but it does happen. It's because they almost always agree the definition, with the officials. Let's, on the field. let's put it this way: if they don't do the uh, the the kind of flagrant one, flagrant two thing with targeting, they need to uh, change the wording of the rule. Uh, because the wording of the rule is just kind of like any contact almost yeah, with helmet just, to helmet. Too it's, just, it's too vague. I mean, you're playing a contact sport where you're going to hit people. Yes, Your absolutely. helmets are going to connect every now and then. Right. So let's move on to a hat on hat game. Uh, that was supposed to be a hat on hat game, I guess, anyways. Iowa and Indiana. So you and have, now, you, now remember remember who you took last week, Stephen. Don't don't go back now. We, we can go retrace the film. Remember me and Tyler talked you into taking the Hoosiers. Uh, okay, I was about to say. <laughs> we talked you into you mean, it. We, we said be different, and you took them. Taking Indiana? <laughs> you took Indiana. You picked Indiana. Well, I forgot we, about we, that. We picked the teams. I forgot about that. Because remember we were debating on who, if, if we knew anything I was about iffy. it. And I, I, knew, was, I, I knew at least who uh, I was yeah. head coach was. <laughs> I, yeah. That's fair. That's I at fair. least knew that. I don't know how I forgot Michael Penix Jr. I don't know how you how you forget that or uh was there it's like uh their receiver's name he has a weird name oh it's like fry something i'm sure anyways i would dominate this game uh i think uh it was it was what we we kind of said you know coming into this game we didn't know a lot about either team i said that you think of iowa smash mouth football and that's they they are smash mouth football that was a a perfect description of that game um i i think that Indiana's kind of had one of those almost lightning in a bottle years last year where they they had a lot of turnover luck. They had that play at, uh, at the end of, of uh, I think it was an overtime, the beat Penn State, you know, on that diving uh, touchdown oh, yeah. play. So you yep. had a lot of that going on with Indiana, but Indiana shot themselves in the foot a lot. They shot themselves with two pick sixes. In Iowa, honestly, I don't know if they didn't want to. They were they were conservative. They probably were conservative because they knew they well, were stopping now, now Indiana. That's Kirk Ferentz's style of play. He it is, is he is a more conservative they love, coach. Say, they're, they're, they've they, never been an aggressive. They love their fullbacks team. and their fullbacks and their tight ends are just like you have to have good ones. They to are Iowa. the typical I formation they're cornbread grind, fed boys. They're that's grinded they are. up. They're hit. They're smash mouth football, and and Indiana just couldn't hang. Yes, uh, I mean the, Indiana honestly moved the ball a little bit. But those pick sixes killed them. Well, Iowa They've, better get ready because they have a really good matchup here in week two. And that's why I wanted to do that game last in our recap because I wanted to move on to our week two games here coming up. So I wanted to first touch on the, the big game, the one that college game day is at. Or I guess one of the big games. The game oh, that yeah. college game day is at. For you sure. Have Iowa going to Iowa State. Now the battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. Exactly, exactly. The Cyhawk Trophy. Iowa's number ten. Iowa State's number nine. There, it's a top ten meeting, which you almost never have between these two teams. Iowa State goes into the game as a four and a half point favorite, even after they really struggle with uh, Northern Iowa uh, coming to there. Now Kirk Ferentz has has absolute bodied Matt Campbell in there for me. <laughs> bodied him. I like I, that. I say bodied like it wasn't close, but I mean he's bodied he's him. he's four and zero against Matt nice. Campbell. Yeah. So. It's so good for Iowa State to have this game at home. I think that Iowa State teams typically start off really slow. That's one of the reasons they didn't look good. Yeah, against... they went sixteen to ten over uh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, the week sixteen one. to it was ten. Awful. So awful I think game. I think part of it was that you you had one of those cases where they're looking ahead Rock to Iowa. Brock Purdy didn't start the week. Didn't start the game off good either. So I mean, he, he was kind of slow. Iowa so. State they couldn't get Brees Hall going. They were trying to run too much just up the middle. I think they were trying to go into it with just such a basic game plan. Just kind of one of those warm up get hits a little bit but win the game easy against northern uh iowa going in into that big game against iowa um i think this game comes down to who wins the line of scrimmage um so who do you like 
if My, it's a line, of, if it comes down to a line of scrimmage game, I think you gotta go towards uh, Iowa, don't you? Don't you think more physical team up front? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stay with you, Tyler. I'm gonna say that yes, I, I look at what Iowa was able to do on defense and running the football against Indiana versus what Iowa State did against a very inferior opponent in Northern Iowa, and I'm gonna go with Kirk Ferentz squad and say they're the better team, and I'll take Iowa 24 to 20 over the Hawks. That's, that's, that's not a bad pick at all. I think this this game can go either way. I think the line of scrimmage winning when Iowa has the ball is is a very important too because Iowa State has a good defensive line and Iowa has a good offensive line so I think that'll be the real battle to watch there I also think it's a good uh, game to watch two running back stars and Tyler Goodman he had a great game against Indiana he He was running all over the place they were using him like crazy and obviously you have Brees Hall and Iowa State I think they need to get him the ball on the edges get him out in space and let him make people miss because he's so good at that don't just very elusive don't do the basic you know halfback dive plays up the middle get him out in in the towards the sideline let's see what he does I actually I think home field is just going to be huge in this game for Iowa State I think Campbell finally finally beats Ferentz I think Iowa just doesn't have that. So Tyler, turn, you're on Iowa. Pick sixes. I'm 27-24 Iowa State. 27-24. Stephen says Iowa okay. State. T- Tyler, you're on Iowa. Correct. I'm on, I'm on Iowa. I, do I think Iowa State has better offense? Yes. Do I think Iowa is more physical? Yes. So I yeah. think that's going to come down physicality to this game. Wins. Physicality wins. I like and that. And time of possession. I, I think like that. 24-17 type of game. Iowa. I think that Iowa State doesn't throw two pick sixes. So that's why I have okay. <laughs> Iowa State. They don't. They don't gift Iowa two scores. Right? Uh, so Indiana was just that would be good. That'd be good if you, Andy, if you do that. that, that Indiana was saying, "How can we right. help you score? <laughs> How can we help you? How can we? What can we do for what, you, sir?" What can, what can, what so can let's go into the other big game uh, from this weekend. We have Oregon traveling to Ohio State. Oregon's ranked number twelve. Ohio State's number three. Ohio State is a fourteen and a half point favorite. That's a lot of points to be playing against. To be hosting so Oregon. I think a that uh, a big part of this game uh, will come down to is Kayvon Thibodeau healthy. Will yeah. he play in this game? Because if you, I watched. That's uh, big. That, I watched some of that Oregon Fresno That's State game Oregon. when Kevin Thibodeau was on the team. I mean, on the team when he was playing on the field. That that defensive line was completely different. It was two different animals. When he's on the team, even if he doesn't do anything, he has such a huge influence on the the double teams on him. It it just changes that that their defensive line. The DBs have to be so much tighter in coverage yes, with yeah. Olave and Wilson just all oh constant gosh, threats yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. They cannot let – I mean, they were letting Fresno State have, have five yards of, of cushion going against them. I, I think maybe Oregon was probably having another one of those, like I just said, with Iowa State where they're looking forward to next week. They have to be better. They have to be better than pass than Minnesota's pass defense was too, their, their rush defense that is. They have to be better. Um I think they have a they have a good. Were you impressed with C.J. Stroud last week, Stephen? I mean, because I, I I gotta say they're, they're they he turned it around in the second half, but there were some question marks in the first half. I personally think that Oregon's more talented to win this more than enough talented to win this game. But I think the pass rush getting to, to Stroud early is going to be the the key factor for Oregon. If they're not able to get to him, he might have a similar game like Minnesota, where yeah. it might be that slow start and Oregon hangs around, but they just eventually pull you know pull away there in the second half. Right. And that's where I have it kind of going. I think it's going to be 34-24. I think the Buckeyes win in Columbus. I don't think they cover. I think 14.5 points is a lot of points. Maybe, maybe, maybe too points. much that for is, this game. That is. Still early. I mean, C.J. Stroud is still kind of getting his footing in this offense. He did. You saw the glimpses of how he can get the ball to Olave yeah. and, and Wilson and whatnot, and that's going to be key. Mayan Williams, I think, is going to be big for Ohio State, kind of opening mm-hmm. up that yes. and taking some of the pressure off Stroud running the football. 
Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I just think I mean the Buckeyes are the better team, and and, yeah. and the they, home field advantage, and whatnot. So I, I'll, I'll take the Buckeyes thirty-four to twenty. Ohio State's definitely the, the better team. I think C.J. Stroud's got to be more efficient. I think they need to start him out with those easy completions with Olave and Wilson. Just get him out in space, maybe bubble screens, maybe just quick oh, for slant sure. routes because yeah. they they went off firing, and that's what Ryan Day likes to do. I don't know if you heard Stroud after the game; he was like. Coach just told me in the second half, hey, just keep firing, keep firing, keep, just keep firing. Just keep shooting. Let's That's just keep said, shooting. Yeah. So I, I think if if the D-line ha- generates pressure on Anthony Brown, the uh, Oregon's quarterback, and he can't have those rushing plays that he does as well, um, I think Ohio State can dominate this game if that happens. But I think if Kayvon Thibodeau is healthy, I think that can really, really change the outcome of the game. I think Ohio State wins, but it does not cover. Yeah, I, I I think it's got to be closer. I mean, I I think fourteen. I think if I think if Kayvon Thibodeau yeah. is not healthy though, Ohio State yeah. might run away with the game. We'll see. We'll see on Tyler. Saturday. What you got? I I like Oregon to cover for sure. I think they have the speed on the defensive end to kind of keep up with the Ohio State at least for the first two quarters. But I kind of see Ohio State pulling away like. Y'all both said I think fourteen and a half slot points. So I think Oregon. At the end of the day, cover. they're they're probably the deeper squad. I mean, I think I think Oregon. I, I think Mario Cristobal is going to get that program in the right direction. Yeah. And, and they and they have been for years. Oregon is, is is definitely a competitive team. They're no team. They're no slouch. But they're they're just not Ohio State. No. Ohio, yeah. You know, Ohio State's one of the blue bloods, and they have the dudes. And Oregon's still working on getting the dudes. Oregon's getting there. They just so. they just gotta. Put it together. I mean, this will be a huge. This be a huge win. It's going to be a great game to watch. This will be a huge win for the Pac-12 and Oregon in general. Um, so let's go into another game that we kind of touched on a little bit, but I do want to kind of go on a deeper dive in what we think can happen and what we think they need to do to win. UAB going to Georgia. <laughs> Obviously, Georgia coming off a huge win. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the line has moved down. I don't know if y'all have been watching the the line for this game continuously. It started How much at 20, could it possibly have moved down? So it started at 29, went down to 27, and now it's at 24 and a half. Are you kidding me? So the reason it keeps it's going down five points? The reason it keeps going down is because there have been three or four players they want to announce who who have been uh oh, the George, yeah the spike of covid covid for the George, but yeah george has had right. a spike of that's COVID. a huge story i, I i'm about to say that's another huge. story that came out today is that jt daniels may not play in this game because he has a rib injury now he has not practiced yet at all this oh, week wow so he's very questionable for the game coming up i think that one of the 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 line of scrimmage obviously we i've said it every single game but you just you you get a reminder after week one of what, how important the, winning the line of scrimmage is to a game in general. UAB has one of the best offensive lines, especially run blocking in the country. Obviously, Georgia has arguably the best D-line in the country, so that'll matter Absolutely. a lot. You, uh, UAB needs to just take advantage of the lack of experience in, uh, in Georgia's defensive backs. Johnson has to look for his tight ends, bubble screens, spread out the defense as much as possible. Don't let Georgia just pin their ears back and blitz like they did against Clemson because you'll you'll get tricked into making those quick decisions. That's what happened to DJ where he threw those picks. You can't do that. Can Will UAB be, allow Johnson time to let those deep plays develop, let that play action develop? Because I think that has, will be a huge part of UAB's offensive scheme in general because it worked so well against Jacksonville State. Right. Will I, I don't think it will. I think Georgia's yeah, offense I mean, will. I mean, I mean, look, it's 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 a lot. To, I mean, it's a lot to kind of unfold here. But I mean, let's just be. I'm honest. just as I say, I'm just going over how we what UAB has we, to do to win, basically <laughs> covering the local team here for UAB. I mean, we want to be optimistic for UAB, but going in this game, you just want to try and be competitive and try and get your guys better against some better athletes and some better competition. I mean, so at the end of the day, you said the line's down to 24 and a half. Is that what you 20, said? It was 24, 24 and a half when I looked this morning. I mean, look, 
well, I, I definitely think Georgia's going to cover that, that, yeah. that point. I mean, I, I would definitely take the 24. I cannot believe it has gone down. But, I mean, I guess if JT Daniels doesn't play, that does change the game for Georgia a little bit. If JT Daniels and doesn't if play. Those, if those three or four players that are undisclosed are, you know, significant contributors that's to gonna the huge. Dogs. I, I think that Georgia's offense will still play really conservatively again. So, I think that's one of the reasons they don't have it as a super high line. So I want to mention this because he told me I had to do this. So Matthew Landrum is a, is a is a big UAB and Dogs fan, and he is making a bet with me. He told me multiple times he doesn't think there's any way that Georgia scores over forty points against UAB. Over forty. Okay. And, well, I, and I and I sat there and I said, Matt, as good as Georgia is, I said, and even though UAB is good too, don't get me wrong, but are you kidding me? You don't think they're going to at least score? I have Georgia scoring about 44 points, 44 to 17 or 44 to 14. Well, Cole, you are going way, unless you have a shutout going here, you are going way on the over here because the over-under set at 46. No, no, no. He he said Georgia just scoring 40. I know. Not over-under just scoring I know. I'm telling you, if you have Georgia (laughs) scoring 44, then you're going for the over there unless you expect a shutout. I'm definitely going the over. I mean, come on. Come on. Georgia scoring 40 points. 46 is so low that I might take the under. Because it's so low. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. You already know UAB has arguably the best defense in non-power five, and Georgia has a best defense. But come I'm on. going under 46. I, I get it. I get UAB has a great defense. I'm going under 46. But it's in the, it's in the realm of the Conference USA. This is the SEC. This is a Power 5 school. I'm this going under 46. This team Clemson the best team in the ACC to under, I mean, to three points. I mean, and, and so, so UAB is going to keep this game close, you think? I think I think that, so this is what I have my prediction as. UAB covers a spread but gets put to bed early. In other words, that at no point is UAB going to be within winning, but they are going to cover the spread. So Tyler says that we have a question on YouTube. Tyler, what is what is the question, and to from whom is it? Luke Saxon asks, Pitt or Tennessee line at three and a half okay. going towards Pitt? So I, so I want to hold off on that right there. That's a great question uh, because we will answer that later in the show, but we, but we'll, we will get to that shortly because we are going to touch on Pittsburgh and Tennessee, but – just hold hold on. We are we are definitely getting to that game though. But that's that's a great question because that that is a tricky tricky line up in Rocky Top. But we'll we'll definitely save that because I got something good for that later. But keeping on the the Georgia and the UAB talk here, I, I mean, there's just no way, Stephen. There's 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 no way that Georgia's not score forty. And and I I, I they, don't see I, will I don't be, see any way of UAB scoring over twenty. Points. Let's put it this way: if JT Daniels doesn't no play, way. if JT doesn't Daniels does not play, and UAB and I Georgia don't care plays who Georgia has and Georgia plays the conservative game that I know they're going to play, there's no chance they score forty. I uh, I just I I just don't well, see so it. I, I so you're saying it. so you're saying that like you know Vegas doesn't know. Vegas I'm always not saying knows. that Vegas doesn't know. Vegas I'm always that, I'm knows. Saying that Ve- <laughs> I'm saying that Vegas might have pushed that line to try and encourage more betting. I'm just saying that 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 could have been the case. Yeah, but wouldn't everybody take the over? Wouldn't Vegas lose if they push that down line? That line so far down? I, I I'm just we see this all the time, guys. We see this all the time where we think we, we, this is just way too predictable for this to happen. For this to happen for UAB, this is just way too predictable, and there's just no. I, I just don't see any way. Maybe, I don't, hey, look, maybe I'm, as a person who lives in Birmingham, it would be <sighs> absolutely awesome if UAB went over there and kept it competitive for two quarters. I'm just saying I just don't see it. I'm I, not, I don't see it anyway. My prediction isn't UAB to win. My prediction is just to cover the 24 and a half. So that could be 21. I mean, that could be 20. It could be 24. I, I, they could be 24. But they won't. They will, they will not cover. Georgia will not cover that spread. And I think it goes 
most likely under 46. I rest my case 44 to 17. Georgia wins. Way over then. If, you, if you're with Cole, stick if you're with, with Cole, smash the over. If you're yeah. with me, smash the under. Okay. Leave let's your, let's leave decide. Comment, let's leave figure your that comments out, below huh? on Facebook, YouTube. Tell us what you think about between Georgia and UAB. Does Georgia, does Georgia cover or does UAB somehow hit that line and inside 24? Do they keep it closer than 24 points? I, I have the over. Tyler, what say you? I'm gonna I'm gonna say under. I'm with Steven on this. I, one, I, I, just, I, I just don't I just don't see this guys. I you guys are with Matt. Did y'all like collude with Matt no, on this or something? Uh, no. What what what's going on here? I have not talked to Matt Landrum. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll be the one different guy here. I, I, I'll, I'll take Georgia to cover, but UAB still improves mightily and and makes some strides against Georgia and and shows some improvement. Of course, this is a chance for UAB to do some things too. Hey, it'll it'll be if nothing else. I'm hoping that it will be competitive for a half, and then at least UAB will look good. Fair That's enough. What I'm for. Fair so, enough. Let's touch Fair on enough. another um, a game uh, that has SEC. Uh, arguably, could you could say a SEC conference game? You could. Eventually, the future they have future SEC conference, SEC conference game. game. They're old, old rivalry from the Southwest Conference days. You have Texas at Arkansas. Mm, so this is gonna be. I a, love this game. I was about to say. So this is gonna I be a very interesting game. You get to see where Arkansas is at a little bit. And Sam Pittman, they got a scare uh, in their game. Uh, yeah, they pulled it was away. Close. Rice is not a good Rice team. Rice took them to they the They pulled break. away in the fourth quarter, and they yeah. end up covering the spread. Believe it or not, <laughs> Arkansas has to not. I'm sure the spread wasn't that much. It couldn't have been. Uh, for I think Arkansas. it was 17. Yeah, I think it, it was 17. But they they covered. Somehow, some way, <laughs> they were down in the fourth quarter, and they still covered. Uh, that resiliency by the Hogs. Yeah, Texas looked great in the first game under Sark. I mean, it was what he you expected it to be under Sarkeesian. He used uh, Bijan Robinson position, every formation you could think and of. And he used Bijan Robinson. Stop me if you've heard this before. Bijan Robinson is really, really good. He's really good. He's a huge <laughs> factor for Texas. Stop Hudson, me if you heard. This Hudson before. Card played especially well for a freshman going against a, honestly a really good Louisiana team, a really good non-power five Louisiana team, who was only ranked two under Texas, so it wasn't like a huge disparity there. Right. What do you have in this game? So, I mean, look, Arkansas has actually won the previous four of six meetings between Texas. And, I mean, I, that that shocked me, first of all. I, I couldn't believe that. Wow. Uh, look, Arkansas needs to really control the line of scrimmage and keep this a low-scoring game for sure. I, I personally like Texas to win. They okay. proved themselves against better competition in week one. Arkansas kind of struggled. I, I don't think Arkansas is on the talent level of Texas. And, and I think Sarkeesian will score just enough points. And it'll get kind of away from Arkansas. I, I don't think they can score 30 plus points. So if Texas scores over 30, I think they win this game. So I have it somewhere about 35 to 24. I'm not sure what the line is, but I got the Longhorns winning 35 to 24 in Fayetteville. It's Texas by seven is the line. Well, I definitely uh, have them covering them. Yeah, I have Texas handles Arkansas. Honestly, I think they handle them. Uh, I think it continues on the latest Texas back run. And okay. uh, we have Texas by 15. All right, Tyler. I like that, Stephen. I, I think I think Texas runs away with this one, and wins by more than fifteen. So, so Tyler, I'm going to point this out because you're agreeing with me, and I love okay. it. Uh, what, what was your What was your betting record from last weekend? Two and zero oh last week. Two and zero. Oh. Hey, five, five, so. five and one on college football. Hey, five and one. Full time producer, part time bookie. I'm just telling you, this guy <laughs> is on a mission this year. He's on a mission. He's two and zero oh already for the season. All right, so let's touch. Since we got a question about it, let's touch on um, Pitt and Tennessee. What are you What are you looking for out of Tennessee in this game, and, and what do you have in this game? Because I feel like this is a a weird game. Like well, I, you know I don't what, know what Steven, to I don't I, know what to to make of it. I am really glad that that this question was asked, and I'm really glad you throw it to me 
because I'm going to go ahead and do this early because this is my doghouse pick for the week is the Tennessee Volunteers. They're underdogs at home in Neyland Stadium this week. Not against the Pittsburgh Steelers, not against the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Panthers of Pittsburgh. And I think that with that rushing tack that they piled up last week, I know it was against Bowling Green, 300 yards on the ground. Everybody's going to say, but Cole was against Bowling Green. It was against (laughs) nobody. They looked more like an improved football team under first-year head coach Josh Heupel. And I think he'll take a little bit of pressure off his quarterback, who didn't perform that great last week. But I think they'll take control of the game. It's at home. And I think by when it's all said and done Saturday night, the Smokies will be ringing out loud Rocky Top as the Vols win 26-24 over the Panzas of Pitt. The line is 3.5 towards Pitt. And I'm going to take the Volunteers. That's my dog this week. You know what, Cole? That's going to get the dub. You know what, Cole? Your, your dog won last week, so I will go with you. I'm telling you, the Knolls covered for us. Pitt and, and Pittsburgh better watch out because my dog, the dogs this week are the Vols. So I got them. Awesome. I love it. So we won't really touch on them. We'll just go over Auburn's playing Alabama State. Another warm-up game for, for Penn State uh, going into uh, Happy Valley coming up. Not this weekend, but next weekend. And then you have Mercer going to Bama. This is a tune-up game from Florida. Uh, the only question I have for this, uh, and you don't – rhetorical question. Will, <laughs> rhetorical question. Well, we got to move on to NFL. Will Jaleel Billingsley actually see the field in this game? Absolutely. Oh, for sure. No, no. He, so Cole, yeah, Cole says definitely. Absolutely. So let's I, move I in. Let's move into yeah. our NFL preview because we had a, a full kind of slate of college football this weekend. We get NFL back this coming Finally. weekend. Yes. Finally. So, Cole, I know we each have a team. So before we touch on the games oh, yeah. this week coming up, before we touch on any <laughs> new faces and new places we want to talk about, before our Super Bowl picks for this season, how do you see your Saints doing with – the new ah, QB. You want to start with me? Okay. All right. Well, here we go. So, look, the Saints, are, we're, we're obviously replacing our beloved Drew Brees. I mean, so so Jameis Winston takes over. My expectations for this season is just, I do think that the Saints are going to get to double-digit wins. I think that they'll get to 10 wins. 10-7 and seven will be their record by the end of the year, which will be Jameis Winston's first double-digit win year in his entire career in the NFL. I, I didn't know that until I looked it up. He, the most he's won is nine. Wow. So, I think Jameis Winston does get to 10 wins. I think Alvin Kamara will get close to 2,000 yards and maybe can get the NFL rushing record this year or uh, for, for this season or lead the okay. league in rushing. So over, over Derrick Henry, Zeke I, I, I think that Alvin Kamara will finally be able to flourish just because they had that deep threat. Because Drew Brees kind of held them back because he wasn't able to push the ball deep, I think that'll open the ball up for Alvin Kamara to kind of maneuver away. But I, I mean, look. We're, we're kind of in that weird stage where we're kind of transitioning from a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we're going to be in the salary cap hell for a while. So the Saints, if we win 10, 9 or 10 games this year, that'll be a successful season for me. Okay, cool, so. cool. So I will talk about my Falcons, then I'll let Tyler, I'll let you touch on the Bears real quick. I'm not expecting anything out of the Falcons. I'm expecting them to be <laughs> better than they were last year in the close games. So if they have games close, which who knows if they even will this year, yeah. if they have games close, just do better. Just make better decisions. Just do better. <laughs> I, I want to see what how... It's like the, Steve was just patting them on the back. Just, just do better. Just do better. Time, just do better. I, I want to see what, what the offense looks without Julio Jones for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. What Kyle Pitts looks like. Weird. What Kyle Pitts looks like, obviously, and the, then the offense as a whole under Arthur Smith. Can Dean Pease make anything out of the defense with just no depth whatsoever. Like once you get past the starters on the defensive line and the linebackers for Falcons, it's just, it's nobody. It's undrafted people. It's, it's, Ooh, what are they going to do there? So just do better in the close games. Is all I'm looking for the Falcons. Absolutely. Now, Tyler, 
The Bears. <laughs> da Bears. Da the Bears. Bears. You, yeah, <laughs> so I, I got to hear at least your take on the quarterback situation, and then you can go uh, oh, and oof. tell me and tell me what you think about uh, the game they have coming up against the Rams. Right. So, what do I think about the Bears? I'm I'm hoping we get to see Justin Fields after Game Four this four? year. Okay. After that, Game that, Four. That, that's okay. my prediction. After four games, I think they're going to say, "Okay, let's transition towards Justin Fields." And let's step back on Andy Dalton. But, you know, Andy Dalton's a good game manager. I'm also interested to see what we can get out of him, yep. you know, honestly. So these four, first four games are pivotal in, uh, for the for the Bears this season. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a eight, eight wins this year. We'll see. Okay. Hopefully the defense can kind of carry. So hover around 500. Yeah, five, 500. I'd be happy with That's that. That's fair. Yeah. Anything over eight wins, I'd be surprised, to be honest with you. So, And they play the uh, they play the Rams this week. The Rams open up as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the Rams, obviously, they return Cooper Cup and Robert Woods healthy this year. They were kind of yep. banged up last year in a way. Yeah, uh, and then also they have Matthew Stafford coming in. Yeah, in addition to Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew so that's Stafford. Your, your old face in new pl- in new place is yeah. Matthew Stafford. <laughs> he's dude. I think he's gonna have a monster year. I, I, I think. I, I, I think. I think so right. too. He'll have a great year. I think so the too. Guy's got all the potential in the world. He's got great arm talent. I mean, he just was not a good system fit over there in Detroit, honestly. He carried that team half the time, and, and, and you know, they just didn't put the right pieces around him. And he's I think he's just a very, very underrated quarterback. But since you talked about him, I will go ahead and say my Super Bowl pick will be the Rams. Wow. I think they wow. get over the hump. Really? I think with you're, Matthews, so you're way too early Super Bowl pick this is, is my, the well, Rams. We're to all win it way or just early. make it? To win it. We're going to go with the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Over I think, the AFC champion, who you think will be... I mean, until anybody proves me wrong, it's the Chiefs. Okay. Oh no. We'll go the Bills. We'll go the Bills. You're just going to be different. Just go. So so well. So. Well, I have Josh Allen on my fantasy team. So the Bills. The so Bills. Steve, it is very Bills. ironic that you say Rams and Bills because that was the Super Bowl that I would love to see. But I mean, this is the reality. Of what's going to happen? It's going to be the Chiefs and the Packers more than likely. It's going to be the Packers are going to come out of the NFC. The Chiefs are going to come out of the AFC. And Aaron Rodgers may repeat as MVP yet again. I think that this team might be the best team that Aaron Rodgers has had in quite some time in Green Bay. And look, he's going to have a lot to prove this year after all the comments and after all the head, He won an MVP head, last the, year. The head, well, after the, I'm talking about the headache he gave them during the offseason with this, am I coming back? Am I not? Am I a part of this team? Am I not a part of this team? Like, what's what's going on with you? So I, I would say that now that the offensive line for the Chiefs are better, I think, like you said, until somebody proves me wrong, I'll say the Chiefs and the Packers get to the Super Bowl. Okay, Tyler, what you got? I think we get a Super Bowl rematch, and I think we get the, the Bucks Chiefs oh, wow. again. Wow! And the only reason I I like your take on the Packers, but I just think the Bucks are just too good. I think this is Tom Brady's best team he's ever been with. And hey, that's best team. Best that's defense. not a hot take. That may no. not be a hot take either. No. You think about the weapons that Tom Brady has this year. They added Giovanni Bernard to that running back. Yeah, Giovanni yeah, Bernard. I mean, the Leonard. rich get richer. That's I mean, right. my goodness. And on top of that, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, just mentioned Their running Gio backs Bernard. Stacked. Yeah, stacked. Oh, wow. Now let's talk about how they have Rob Gronkowski, who and also who's banged up last year, made oh. it through four games. OJ Howard. OJ Howard. He's him just, and Cameron just sitting Bray. behind Rob yeah. Gronkowski. They've got, they've got a, they've got a on plethora of talent down so. there in Tampa Bay. Absolutely. 
Uh, you know, it's it, you're going back to the Bills and Cowboys in the 90s, I believe. Weren't they the last time that two Super Bowl teams went back-to-back in the Super Bowl? And I think Cowboys I think won both, right. right? I think you're right. Yeah. right. I knew I think that. Well, the Bills, the Bills didn't Cowboys. win. I, I think the Bills, Bills and Cowboys win. might be the last time we had I think so, too. So that's, that's very Bowls. interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So let's move on uh, to uh, our, our Week 1 games coming up here that we want to preview other than our own ones. So... We have kind of Tom Brady's old team. We have Miami going to the Patriots. The Patriots are a three-point favorite. You have a big Alabama game going on here with yes. Tua versus Mac. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm looking forward to see what Tua does in his second year. I think he got a lot of criticism last year. Most of it well-deserved. Obviously, coming back that, off that huge hip injury, they don't open up the offense for him. They give him the keys kind of early in the season after Fitzpatrick is doing well already weird transition there so it's i think everybody's looking forward to see what he does in a full season also kind of a weird transition with the mac kind of very weird from cam and very. Then just them just all of a sudden just saying yep oh, well cam's gone so now it's clearly max team yeah so. i think the patriots are going to be much improved they get a lot of people back from that covid year last year they had a lot of opt-outs especially on defense and you get a little bit better offensive weapons you have to kill harry there still you have a little bit better offensive weapons you have damian harris like actually taking over the lead back role um, kind of more officially now right. for New England. So I think they're a much improved team. I think that the Patriots win mostly on home field advantage. That three points is really just a home field advantage line for Vegas anyways. But I think they win in, the, in, in Mac's uh, first start. So I, I I partially agree with you. Uh, I think that Tua finally has had a full offseason where it wasn't you know due to COVID or not. He has, he's looked polished all summer. And, you know, he's had all this trade rumor talks about the Dolphins trading for Deshaun Watson. Are they going to? Do they like Tua? Is the locker room behind Tua? Are they not? And and then, of course, he was trying to get over that injury, of course, last season. So that kind of yeah. hindered him from trying to improve during those uh, OTAs and whatnot. And I think just combined with all that, I think Tua's going to come out and play with some driven motivation play relatively well. I think this is not going to be a very high-scoring game, Mm-mm. but I do like the Finns to win in a close matchup over the Pats 24-20 to with the additions of Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. I think that provides more big play opportunity for Tua yep. that there wasn't there last year. That wasn't yep. there last year. I think he'll have that this year, and I think this will be a better Dolphins team with a defense that was already good, and I think Mac's going to have some of that rookie struggles as he first has those first few games. He might be better by the end of the year, but I mean, this is going to be his first real NFL game where he's going up against live first team guys. So yeah. I, I think I like Tua just a little bit more than I do Mac in this game. So I'll take him 24. As I'd say, it's not a game I feel super confident in, but I will go against you and go <laughs> to Pats. Su- I, I wouldn't bet my life on it. As but. I'd say, this is not one of those games where I'm like, you got to bet all your money on the Pats, take all the, uh, take Miami right. or anything like that. It's a very close game, I feel like. Tyler, what you got? I think you argued this is probably the hardest game to, you know, better It is. To really pick, it is. It's hard. I mean, they're both great teams, both well-coached, great defenses, yep. and potential for great offenses here in the near future. I'm going to have to go with you, Cole. I think I'm leaning more towards Miami. A little bit more experience on Tua's hands. And, you know, I kind of like the Dolphins' weapons a little bit more than the Patriots. Yeah, weapons, I think so, to too. To be honest with you. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, very fair. Very fair. <laughs> I will be the odd man out and, <laughs> and take, take the, the Pats. I'll take we'll the Pats. We'll remember that for next so show. So we've got Stephen. another big game, and I think this is a more of a big game because a lot of people have them almost as a sleeper Super Bowl pick. We have the Browns at the Chiefs. A lot oh. of people have the Browns being so much better, oh, more improved, on, especially on defense. They went out and got a lot of play- people. I think they have eight new starters Is on their defense. Is this the defense. part of the show where Steven tries to convince me that the Browns are going to go to the Super no. Bowl? Is this the part no. of the show? I, yeah. I already gave him my Super Bowl pick. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Well, back I, off. I just want to make sure. Anyways. I didn't, I didn't want. I just want to make sure. <laughs> but you have obviously the Chiefs coming back with their their revamped offensive line. They didn't really add any new weapons, but they have that new offensive line. And then as as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna be a, a Super Bowl pick. What? Who do you have in this game, and why? I think it. I think you're gonna see the Chiefs win um, by touchdown. So they cover, but. Man, I think the Browns are going to be much improved on defense this year. This is an easy pick. The, the Chiefs are going to cover. I, I would say it, it, it lays somewhere around 34 to 20, 34, 24. The Chiefs will win. I mean, I mean, look, the, Brown, the Browns are much improved. Uh, I mean, the, the, yeah, the Jadavian Clowney, I'm sorry, acquisition is obviously huge for Cleveland. But, I mean, is that going to really take that? I don't think – I trust – Patrick Mahomes more than I do Baker Mayfield, and and that's long term. That's in one game. That's whenever. So I'll take the Chiefs to win. I I, I mean we're gonna see what we're gonna get from the Browns this year, but I mean I think it's gonna be much of the same what we saw last year. It's very fair, Tyler. What you got? I think you gotta go to the Chiefs in this one. I think the Browns are gonna be a little bit of a letdown. You know they they made some good additions. Everybody's freaking out about Jadavion Clowney. He's watched. A lot of things played in their favor it. last year. I'm gonna go ahead and say that they did. They did that too. Um, but I think the Chiefs are just gonna come out and blow them out by at least 20 points. Okay, so yeah. we have all of us picking against the the people who are hyping the Browns up this offseason. I don't believe the hype. So let's move into another game that has uh, potential for Aaron Rodgers, potentials for the Saints coming in here. We have the Packers at the Saints. I think it's gonna be a great game for the NFC. The Saints could be really, really good under Jameis Winston, so this this could eventually decide kind of who the best team in the right. NFC is. Uh, it's in Tampa Bay because the Saints cannot play in New Orleans, obviously, because of the hurricane and everything like that. Yep. Green Bay is a four-point favorite. Um, Cole, I'm actually going to go with the take you had earlier, and I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Rodgers Yeah, having yeah. kind of a revenge tour kind of thing right. going here. And I'm going to say he comes out – hot to start the season and uh they cover yeah the, the, this could be the best game for week one it's gonna be definitely interesting i think there's gonna be a lot of points score potentially uh this could be james's first real test as a starting quarterback for saints and it you know it, it comes at week one uh the defense is strong and can probably make some plays and maybe if they make enough plays they can try and slow aaron Rodgers. you're not gonna really stop aaron Rodgers, but you might can slow him down a little bit uh that starts with alva kamara possessing the ball for the saints having a lot of possession time and whatnot and keeping that defense on the sideline but unfortunately, I mean, for my Saints, I, I'm going to take the Packers. I, I don't, I don't see any way that we're going to beat them. I think that this is going to be just one of those games where we just kind of just. Try. If it was in the Superdome, in the Caesar Superdome, I may lean more towards the Saints. But I'm going to take the Packers, 38 to 28 over the Saints. What you got, Tyler? So oh, when the books opened on this, the Saints were three point underdogs in the big, big easy. When they moved to Jacksonville, it's moved to plus four now. I'm going to tease Tyler's uh, picks a little later on, but I'll give you this stat. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, uh, four and one indoors last year, throwing seventeen touchdowns wow. and one interceptions. I'll hey. give you the rest of those stats later on. All right. So we'll pick that up later. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. We'll pick that up later. So uh, last game that I want to touch on, not really a good game, but I didn't want to touch on it because it is my Falcons. You have the Eagles going to the Falcons. Atlanta's a three-point favorite. I think Atlanta wins. I think it, the Eagles might be one, might be one of the worst teams in the NFL this coming season. Yes, I think they just have a absolutely. lot. Absolutely. A lot to work on. Obviously, the Falcons have a lot to work on, too. But I think they come out firing in Arthur, Arthur Smith's first game. I think you see some Kyle Pitts action going on here, showing off their uh, their number three overall pick, right? Yep. So uh, I, I think you see or, that. Was it number three or number four? It might have been number, number four. Maybe number it was one three. of those. It was one top five pick. They're those, showing off their those, top yeah. five pick in Kyle those, Pitts yeah. a little bit here. Right. And I, I think Atlanta wins this one um, semi-easily. So I, I, I agree with you. I, un, un, you know, 
Much to my dismay, I, I have the Saints losing <laughs> and the Falcons winning on, in, in, in week one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that it's just going to be too much for the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are, could be, like you said, the worst team in football. They might win maybe three games this year if you look on their schedule. I'll take Atlanta 27-23 to over Philly. I think Matt Ryan in the offense does just enough. And for once, they come in the clutch. I think that, that they put a team away and keep them away. So I'll take Atlanta. What you got, Tyler? I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Eagles on the road, the three okay. and a half point. Wow! Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. I just I just I I'll believe it when I see Atlanta's defense, but I do not see that they <laughs> just can't stop anybody. Huge they pick. do not well, stop anybody. They, so the second half of the season last year, they had a much better. They were they were closer to the top fifteen than they were bottom fifteen. Uh, I mean, obviously at the beginning of the year they were. I'll bottom be interested to see how much better two. Jalen Hurts is with Devontae Smith as his receiver. I'll be interested to see how. how I think Dean Pease will will make a little bit of a difference here, too, coming out of retirement uh, to coach up the Falcons defense. Tyler, I know you already touched that, but I just want to get your pick really quick. Bears at Rams. I'm going to take Rams minus seven and a half. What you got, Cole? Oh, I got the Rams over the over the Bears, thirty-one seventeen. I I just think okay. the Rams are just too much. They're they're just too much more talented than the Chicago Bears are. Okay, sweet. Yeah, this was an easy one for me. I'm going to say Rams forty to seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Just too good. Just awesome. too good. Awesome. So we're all on the same page there. Uh, so next week, uh, I think we're running low on time here a little bit. So next week we're so. going to tease. I'm going to tease fantasy football. We are going to get into our picks and and who we like, what sleepers we like. Obviously, we'll have a week. To kind of see how we think how about it from this week, yeah. but we will go for that, and we'll go, you know, our our top five picks that aren't the obvious ones and everything like that. Who we want on our team, who we must have on our team, things like that. So, Cole, you already did your doghouse. I did. So I, we'll skip over you. We will go to my stat of the day. Uh, we will go back to college football for my stat of the day. So, Penn State's win over Wisconsin was James Franklin's first road win against an AP top fifteen team in his career. Wow. He was 0-12 before Saturday. Wow. Penn State has now won each of the last five meetings with Wisconsin. That's the longest streak by either team in series history. Wisconsin has now lost six consecutive games against ranked opponents. Hey, what Just did ranked. I say last week? I said that the game meant more to Penn State than it did Wisconsin. I, and I think right. it meant a lot to James Franklin. And just from your stats, I mean, you can see why it meant so much and, to him. His hey, first real legit win. Cole, Cole, you were right. You were right. I was wrong. I thought <laughs> I thought Camp Randall would, you thought it would be enough. I thought a season without fans, Camp Randall playing jump around all those fans going hike would be enough to put wisconsin over the top it wasn't the final stat the i give you three here but the final stat i just thought it was interesting and it's got to be frustrating for everybody nick saban is the first coach to win 80 games in ranked matchups during the ap poll era which no, the ap poll that's era impressive AP poll era starting. Can we just take a minute and just appreciate Nick Saban? I mean, I mean really, we, we all just take it for granted that Alabama's going to go out there and win. But, I mean, this what we are witnessing each Saturday is just nothing short of remarkable. I mean, to just win a national title like you did and then show up the next season and just win like you did against a team that is claimed to be in the top 25 is just remarkable. And just and, and the level of dominance and the level he has mastered this sport is just something we'll never see again. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, talk, you talk about Bobby Bowden passing away, and you, you kind of you, you think about his record with those 14 straight. I think like top five finishes, ten win seasons is what it was. It was ten sin, yep. ten win seasons, and you have nobody, nobody thinking that could ever be done. You have Nick Saban coming along, so everybody's gonna say it can never be done again. But who knows? Maybe we'll who have knows? another Nick Saban coming uh, a few decades later. Uh, Conversation Cole, for another day. I mean, uh, Tyler, not Cole. You already did yours, Tyler. <laughs> Give me your gambling picks. I want to know what to pick because I, I struggled last week. He was two and zero oh this did. week, ladies and gentlemen. Two and zero. Oh. 
And it was because you did not listen to my That's Steven, true. So. That's true. I went with my own, and it did not work out for me. So what you got? <laughs> like Steven just mentioned, we went 2-0 and on my bets last week on Tyler's picks, 5-1 and overall in college football. In my Tyler's picks last week, we saw Army curb stomp Georgia State. <laughs> they beat them, they beat them 44 State. to 10 as uh. three and a half point underdogs was Army. So huge win, huge money line Absolutely. win there. And yes, also huge money line win, Utah State 16 point underdogs pulling the upset against Washington State 26 And we to called it here and first. We called it. <laughs> Guys, are you ready? Give it to me. I'm ready, week. Tyler. I'm, I'm ready. Gonna, I'm going to give you one college Edge of my football seat. I'm writing and down. one NFL. Right them ready. down. Yeah. All right, we'll start with college football uh, this week. I am going to roll with Army again. The again, Black Knights, the Black Knights again. The Black Knights to cover the spread against Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Army is favored by four and a half points this week, guys. And as we saw last week, the Army offense notched 258 yards on the ground, but it was the defense that made the biggest impact for the Black Knights, holding Georgia State to only 48 yards rushing and 129 yards in the air. The Black Knights, they're going to do it again this week, guys. I'm <laughs> they're going to do it again. Back them up. And then my NFL pick for this week, we teased it earlier. My NFL bet for this week, well, I, I, teased, I teased the Packers and the Saints earlier. That is going to be a little bonus pick for this week, but this – this NFL bet, it's kind of an upset, but I'm going to roll with the Washington football team in a pick em against the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, okay. I like Washington it. Washington is currently a one-point underdog, and I always like going against the public because Vegas knows what they're doing, clearly. Right? That's true. Oh, and yeah, for sure. That's with the NFL. The, Char- for- the Chargers are getting 64% of the public's love on the spread. Los <laughs> Angeles, they're playing 1 o'clock Eastern time on the East Coast in Washington, which is 10 a.m. Pacific time. So oh, look out for a little lag So maybe there, a little, maybe still a little sleepy-eyed. Here we exactly. go. The Chargers. Here we go. Okay. So here we I, go. I expect the Chargers. You get this kind of research right here, guys. Right <laughs> here. <laughs> Only on under review. Only on under review. Ex- right here. Expect the Chargers to get off to a slow start, guys. And against a great defense in Washington. Yeah. Last year they finished number three overall in total defense. Number two in passing defense and only allowing 191 yards through the air average every game last year. Guys, I like Washington in this one in a low-scoring game. I think Fitzpatrick gets the job done okay. this week. Okay. And I mentioned last last part right here, uh, the Ooh. bonus pick. Watch Ooh. out for the Saints this week, guys. Aaron Rodgers, three and four right, all time in the state of Florida. It's going to be a hot one down there. We'll see how it goes. I hope you're right, Tyler. So that was so we got Army, we've got Washington football team, and maybe a little bonus pick taking the Saints and the line. I guess not to win, but just to cover the points. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're clear. Hey, awesome. What a great show, guys. Great show. What a great show. Great show. They crammed it it all in. We had a lot to talk about, and we we somehow. It all in. If you've stuck around to this point, we appreciate you being here and, and, and being on part of the live stream. If you're tuning in on the podcast, we appreciate you as well. Tuning in wherever you get your podcast app. Steven, take us to the end. Well, guys, every week we are going to try to be live on Wednesdays at 625. Live on Wednesdays at 625. It rhymes. You can remember it. Let's go, people. So we're going to be live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch 
every Wednesday at 625. You can also listen to the podcast. If you can't see us live, you can listen to us and feel like you are here live. Feel like and you, you are here. And you can uh, listen to us on <laughs> Apple, on Spotify. Uh, we're on Anchor. Pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you can listen to us. And uh, please, guys, tune in and check us out on social media. On Instagram, we're yes. under review 24-7. Twitter, under review 24-7. Facebook, just under review. Um, under review on YouTube. Just uh, check us out wherever you see, uh, wherever you can find us, and uh, we will be there. God bless you guys. God bless America. <laughs>